Kentucky, the Lord has been telling me about the times and the seasons and about certain timing of things. And there's such an alignment of timing right now. Like, you have to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit right now. Really, honestly. Um, things that you normally do, things that you think you're supposed to do at a certain time, he's changing it all up. <laughs> it was funny because I called today's message Times and Seasons. Well, three years ago, there's, you know, God does things with threes. Three years ago, I released a message. I was looking to my notes of shifting seasons is what I called it. And, and I was remembering about that because everything the Lord is, it's almost like the Lord saying, okay, what you thought you lost, I'm bringing it around again. He's like, I'm going to take you around, but this time, this time, pay attention. This time, uh, pay attention to the Holy Spirit. This time, pay attention to my timing. This time, pay attention to the season that I have you in. Don't miss the moment, in other words. Don't miss it because the Lord is trying to take us somewhere new. He's trying to bring blessings in this new thing. And we don't want to miss the opportunity to jump into the things God has for us. So um, there's been such an opening in the spirit with the alignment. And, you know, um, one thing he's been telling me is like even our even our our giving and, and, and our tithing sometimes. And I say this, look, they've already picked up the offering. I'm not saying this because the offering I'm saying because I know even those that are watching online, sometimes your seed will not be aligned with where you're being fed at. You'll send your seed somewhere else, and that's not even the place where you're being fed at. And so I've been even, you know, we've been praying, praying for the house here, and I'm like, Lord, you know, that the seeds of what's being fed out of this place, doesn't matter who's up here releasing the word, people are being fed out of this place across the states and the nation. And if this is your online church or this is the place that's feeding your spirit at this moment because you haven't decided where you want to go in the natural, then there should be a seed that comes into the storehouse, as Apostle Pete was saying, because this is what's feeding your spirit. And that's one thing my pastor would always say, well, I would say, well, how do I know where you, where you sow your seed? Well, you sow it where you're being fed at. Wherever, wherever you're going to that's helping you grow, that's stretching you, that you're being fed in, that's where you sow. And so there's even an alignment in that because what will happen is you'll hear wonderful things in your ears from TV programs and other places. And then you give your seed to those things and it's not in alignment with where Holy Spirit wants you to put that seed. But see, he wants you to align it because of what he's going to do with it. So let me go on to this because I don't want to spend too much time on that. That's just like a little nugget. <laughs> that's just a piece of it <clears throat> the Lord has been speaking so much to me about timing that when I went to Kentucky I was blessed with a pair of earrings that had clocks on them and I knew when I got the earrings and I opened them up I knew I was like yep confirmation of what you've been telling me about the timing he just kept telling me about the timing it, I was saying it so much in my house and my family was getting tired of it <laughs> I was like, is it the timing for that? And then they were like, really, mom? Or my husband was like, Apostle Pete was like, really, Alice? And I'm like, hey, I'm just telling you what God's saying, because if we're not on the timing of doing the simple things in our lives, 
it will talk, it will take you off of where God has you. Uh, it's like silly things. Like I'll give you an example, okay? How how precise He wants to be with us in this time, okay? I I like to go clean out my vehicle, and he'll t- he'll t- and I wanted to go so bad one day, and he was like, "Listen to me, it's not the time." And I'm like, "But my truck's dirty, Lord. Like it needs to be clean. I need to wash it." And because everybody knows what I am about that stuff, like it drives me nuts. <laughs> These are my own personal issues. <laughs> and so <laughs> the Lord was like, "No, it's not the time." And I was like, "I'm a spoiled brat child." You know, I want to do things when I want to do them sometimes. And he's like, it's like, listen, Linda, listen. (laughs) That's where we're at right now. Really, we are there in the spirit. He's like, listen, guys, listen, you're not listening. And then you're like, I am listening with your ears. And she pulled over and then it stopped her from getting in a really bad accident that could have killed her. See, this is how precise timing is right now. That the Lord is trying to stop us from getting into situations and things. And he's trying to protect his sons and daughters right now in such a way that he doesn't want you to get caught up in second heaven or the attacks of the enemy anymore. He's like, if you just listen to me and if you just do as I, as I tell you to do and trust in me and be obedient to me. And so that's the hard part, right? <laughs> I was, I was a, I, you know, <clears throat> with that, with where where we live now, there's not so many city lights anymore, and I remember missing that. And one night we got home at night, and I looked up and I said, "Oh my God, I can see the stars again!" And I got really excited. I got really excited about it because it speaks prophetically to me. And even an alignment that the Lord is doing. And so when I looked up at the stars, I always think of Abraham. And I always think of what the Lord promised Abraham. And I want to make sure that because I have so many notes. I just like as the Lord was speaking to me, even during during worship, I was like trying to get it all down. <laughs> and I was like, Lord. <laughs> It says, uh, Genesis 15, 5 says, God brings Abraham out of his tent and instructs him to look up to the sky and count the stars. If you are able, God commands as countless as the stars. He assures Abraham, so shall your descendants be. And so I always think of that verse because God is not just a God about us ourselves. He speaks to us generationally. He speaks to us about generations. Uh, Genesis 12, 1, he, this is what God tells Abraham. He says, now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. See, this, God's trying to get Abraham's attention in this moment. And he's saying, you need to leave all of this. Do you not know that Abraham... It was fearful for him. When you go, I mean, he didn't know anything but his family. He didn't know anything but that land. He knew the times and the seasons of that land. He knew when it was a good time for harvest, when it was a good time to plant. He knew everything about that land because that's where he grew up at. And now here comes God and tells him, hey, leave everything. 
leave your father, leave your mother, leave everything behind and go to scout to go to a new land. Okay? God promised Abraham that he would make a great nation out of him, who was very old and childless with a promised with many descendants. <laughs> it was a promise of blessing and redemption. God promised to bless Abraham and the families in the earth through him. So his blessing was not just for himself. The blessing that he had for Abraham was for a whole generation. And I'm going to walk you through this today. Because you think that your decisions don't matter today? They do. Every decision that, that you say yes to to the Lord right now matters for generations to come. Let me show you. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, The Lord has sent... Uh, has said to Abraham, okay, so I've already gone over that. Second Timothy 1, 7, for God gave us not a spirit of a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I have recently, uh, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. He's seeing everything. There shouldn't be any fear upon any of us anymore. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. So immediately he's telling you, the way that you think is not the way I think. The way that your thoughts are, that's not me. You, you, you have, I have a perfect love for you that cast out all fear. So why do people still have fear on things? You know, there's fear and change because you've been so comfortable and familiar with what you've done for years and years that when change comes, there's fear in it. There's, there's a, 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 a shift God's trying to do right now in the timing of things, and fear comes in to make you handicap. Some people are fearful of success. Why I've, I've never seen success in my family. I've never seen wealth in my family. I've only seen, pro, uh, 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 I haven't seen a prosperous way in my family. Even financially. So now I'm going to fear and even my giving because I've never seen prosperity in giving. So God's trying to stretch us in the timing. God's trying, but not just for you. You're the one being the stretch. You're the one God's coming to and saying for you to do these things. But you represent a whole generation to come after you. You've got grandkids, you've got sons, you've got daughters, their, their kids and their kids and their kids, and it goes on and on. So what you're representing, when you're not in your position of where God wants you to be to do what he's called you to do, you're not just ripping yourself off, you're ripping off the whole generations that are to come. So if you love and care for your family and your sons and your daughters and the grandkids, whether they're in your life or not right now, doesn't matter. What you do matters. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
These are our fearful thoughts. These are the fear. This is the thoughts we have at times that are not of God. So what do you do? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What gets you out of your mind? Obedience to Christ. What breaks those old mindsets? Obedience to Christ. When you learn to be obedient, you know what obedience means? It means the word of God and acting on it. So you're not just reading your word, but you're doing what your word says to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. Trust in him, right? In aligning your will with his will, when you surrender all of your own, his authority is based on our decisions and actions in his word. So he's waiting for you to align with him. And when you're about his will, his business, then what happens is you get your own authority from him. You get authority. And then you begin to act on the word that you've been learning and you've been reading. It's not just reading it. It's not just memorizing it. It's not just uh, sitting in a service like this. It's acting on it. What is the word saying? And am I doing it? John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. Another translation of that is if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. (laughs) That will get you, right? (laughs) How many times do we come in worship and we're in the presence of God and we're like, God, I love you so much. I'll do anything for you because we're all like in this love bubble with Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, we have this courage and this boldness and speaking out of our mouth, I'll do anything for you, God. I know. I used to say, send me. Send me, God. I'll go. And he did. (laughs) And then I was like, spoiled by a child. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) To the point, like, my husband had to get the box and tape it up and said, we are moving Alice. And I'm like, no, we are not. I was all trying to unpack the box. (laughs) No, I'm needed here. This is my comfort zone. This is what I'm used to. I'm good here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm just speaking truth to you. Because God's trying, the shaking they were singing about today has to do with your alignment and trusting in him and saying yes to him and moving on the word and being obedient to what he's telling you to do. There's times and there's seasons, people. And the enemy's trying to get you stuck in a season. Let me tell you how good God is, okay? This is, I'm going to share something. I even t- told Apostle Peter, I'm going to share this story. When we were dating, when we were younger, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary yesterday. But see, there was a lot that happened before that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to get married and we're in love. No, there was, there was an alignment that had to happen with us and what God was speaking to us. We had to come to agreement with Jesus. I didn't grow up in church. I was the type of person that was rebellious. I didn't want to listen to anybody telling me what to do. I was hard-headed. I'm just being transparent with you this morning. 
He had experienced not good things in marriage with his mom and his dad and them getting a divorce. And now you can either agree with those things that you've seen in the natural, or you can seek the Lord in those things and overcome your fear. He didn't want to get married because he was fearful we would end up in divorce the way that his parents did. But see, what would have happened if he would have agreed to the fear and we would have never gotten married? See, the Lord knew a long time ago back then that we would be here now. If we would have bowed down to fear then and not done what God had asked us to do, make things right, do the covenant, make it right, let's do this together. Even though it was fearful to step out to do it, God honored the obedience that we decided to be obedient to what he was telling us to do in that hour. And we would have, we would have missed out in so many blessings because as soon as we said yes and as soon as we got married, it was like the blessings of the Lord could now come into our lives because we were right before the Lord. We weren't living bad anymore. And that's what people don't understand. It's not like, okay, I want you to leave sin and then that's it. No, he wants you to leave sin for your own good. Because he's trying to bless you, but if you stay stuck in that season of what you knew to be, of what you were around all your life, you'll never be the risk taker. You'll never step out like Apostle Pete ministered last week, being the risk taker. You'll never step out to new land like Abraham had to. What would it say? Because it represented generations. It wasn't just about me and my husband getting married that day. It was about me and him getting married because then Peter would come and Chris would come and their purpose and their destiny and then their kids that are going to come and then their wives that are going to come. It's way bigger and much greater than you could ever imagine. And it goes on through the years. See, it took Abraham to say yes to God. Let me tell you why. Let's read this first because I don't want to go ahead of myself. Because it's just exciting. Ecclesiastics 3 says, a time for everything. For everything, there's a season. A time for every activity under heaven. Let me say that again. Under heaven. Not under your own beliefs. Not under your own thoughts. Not under what you've known to be under heaven, okay? A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. To heal, A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time of peace. What people get for all their hard work... We're in verse 10 now. Have, I have seen the burden God has placed on all of us. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. 
So I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat, drink, and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. (laughs) Let me share something on that. There are things that will happen over and over again in your life. You will get a prophetic word over and over and over again. This last time we showed that movie, people came up to you, oh, we've seen that before. I've seen that movie 30 times, and every time I've watched it, the Lord has spoken something fresh and new to me. Every time you read your word, he speaks something new and fresh to me. You know why you get something new and fresh out of your word every time you read it? Because it depends on the season and the time that you're in. If you are in a, in, in a mindset of, of, of just going through some hard times, when you read part of the word, it's going to speak volumes to you in that area. So what it tells me when people say, oh, I've already heard this before. Oh, I've already done this before. Oh, this looks familiar. It's not because he wants you to notice that, oh, it's something you've done or you've seen before. He's trying to wake you up and say, honey, you might have seen this before. You might have heard this before. But what's the time and season that you're in that you need to hear it again? And you're going to keep hearing it again, and I'm going to keep showing it to you again until you fully wake up. Come to the fullness of what I have for you. Step into your calling. Step into your purpose because I'm trying to wake you up to wake up the bride and say, this is not all I've given you. What you've seen so far is nothing. If you've seen this, if you read this, then why aren't you acting on it? Like it said on the verse we read in the very beginning. It's not just reading on the word, it's acting on it. It's not just hearing your call, it's acting on your call. It's not just getting the prophetic word, it's acting on the prophetic word. It's coming to agreement why the times and seasons under heaven, not times and seasons that you've created on your own power and your own will and your own stinking thinking. It's the times and the seasons under heaven and what heaven's talking to you about what time and season it is. But if we're not taking the time to seek him out for the times and the seasons, we're going to miss the blessing. And then we're, we, then we're going to become like crying, whiny babies that go around the mountain over and over again for 40 years. And we're like, God doesn't love me. He doesn't bless me. He left me a long time ago. I don't even hear God anymore. Well, honey, you missed the train. The train, the glory train came in and you forgot to get on it. You didn't align yourself with heaven. He's trying to give you the double blessing. I should pick up an offering, but I'm not. (laughs) The Isaiah 22, 22, I'll give you the keys to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. That's what he's trying to give you. When he opens the doors, no one will be able to close them. When he closes the doors, no one will be able to open them. The doors are trying to open up. 
his blessings are trying to come in the doors. But you're at the wrong door sometimes. <laughs> you know, God, in the beginning of my walk with him, he would let me see the glory on the doors. Because I would see a hallway full of doors. And I had options. You've had options recently. And there was a time of decision making that you had to come to that the options were like, okay, now it's time for decision making. Your time has run out. I'm not talking about your time has run out and end times. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your time has run out because he wants to align you so much with heaven that he wants you to come into the door that he's given you. Not the door that you've been seeking out for yourself, but the door that he's opened for you. He makes no mistakes with the connections of people he does. He makes no mistakes with the people he sends in your life to pour into you and to feed you. He makes no mistakes in any of those things. He aligns everything perfectly for you. But if you're not in agreement with it and you're not receiving it, then that's when you get into those places you were never meant to be. So then you see the door with the glory on it, and you're like, oh, that's Jesus' door. That's the one I want to walk into. All these other doors don't matter. But see, the enemy comes in and makes all these doors very appealing to you. He'll dress them up. He'll make them look real good. He'll put some wrapping paper on them. And then, he, and then he'll even convince you, this is what God has for you. And you're like, how could I go wrong if God is saying this is for me? But see, the minute you stand in front of that door, something of discernment inside of you is knocking on the door and saying, this is not where I have you. This is not the door you're supposed to come into. I didn't give that to you. I'll give you an example. I had wanted a house really bad years ago. This is years ago. My kids were really young. We had our business at that time, and we could afford this gorgeous house that was brought to us. At the same time as I was doing that, we were, we were talking to builders to build us a house. And I was like, should, I take, should we take this house that's already built that has everything we need in it? This is my thoughts, my will. Or should we build with the builders to get a brand new house? Well, we took the counterfeit. I'll say I did. I don't know if it was my husband, because my husband just wants to make me happy sometimes. But <laughs> I, took, I took the bait. I took the bait. It was a really nice neighborhood. It was this gorgeous big house. And I get into it, and the paperwork, the contract, was all done wrong. And it was really a bad situation for us. And I'll never forget this, because there was a lesson learned in this. And I remember the last day I cleaned up the house and I was standing by the staircase and I was weeping and crying. And I told the Lord, I said, now what, God? I thought this was your blessing. He says, I never told you to move in that house. He says, but it was so tempting for you and you wanted it so bad that you went ahead and got into it. But that's not what I had for you. I had something better for you. But you decided to take that and you took the counterfeit. And now, now... Now you're in a displaced now. Does he redeem? Yes, he does redeem. He's a redeemer. 
But I tell you that story not because I want to edify the wrong decision. I'm talking about the doors that are opening for us that sometimes we think they're God when they're not. And you'll align yourself with things that were never meant for you. You'll be swayed and pulled in directions that he never meant for you to go in. And so you have to seek out Holy Spirit. I was immature back then. See, he's trying to mature us as a body to be mature children that we don't throw fits like spoiled brats anymore. That we learn just to say yes and not ask questions. You see what I'm saying? Because I, I wanted it for my will, my sake. I wanted it. And God's like, no, it's not what you want anymore. It's are you going to be under heaven in the times and the seasons that I have you in to reap the blessing that I have for you, but you have to align yourself in me so I can give you the double blessing. So it wasn't God's fault like Apostle Pete was talking about earlier. It was my fault. I put myself in that situation. Proverbs 16:24 says, pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. See, this is where God's trying to give us in his word right now and in his direction and his alignment. We were talking about the scrolls. Open the scroll. Break the seal, God, right? We were singing that. When you break, when you have a scroll and the seal is broken, they're like pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. When the scrolls open up and you eat that scroll, it's dipped in honey with the sweetness of direction for your life and for other people's lives around you that you're supposed to help in orchestrating those things. It's supposed to taste good. God's trying to turn things around from us of what tastes bitter and horrible in your life to sweetness now. But it comes with aligning yourself in the right timing in the seasons he has for us. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12, 110. He has a vision of paradise. It is not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knows such a one was caught up in the third heavens. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I will refrain least anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. The least I shall exalt it above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger. Least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Anybody have a thorn right now on their side? I know what that feels like. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. It speaks volumes. He's getting revelation, Paul. He's getting all this download of heaven. At the same time, he's dealing with some things. This is kind of where we're at right now in, in, the, in the spirit. He's calling us higher. He's calling us to come up to third heaven so we can see the plans of heaven and see it from a perspective of heaven and not get stuck in the second heaven junk and all the mess. And he's like, because if you do, you'll get stuck in your season and not know the timing I have you in. And Paul says, I'm not going to boast about my revelation. I'm not going to boast about these encounters I've been having. I'm not going to boast about any of that. I'll talk about the sufferings, but I'll talk about the sufferings only so God can get the glory. And when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's in my weakness that you shine the most because that's when God gets the glory and the honor for things in your life. Song of Songs says, we're going to start in chapter 2, 11 to 14. This is beautiful. It says, the season has changed. Please hear this with your spirit, guys. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up in the high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. This is where how the Lord sees us. He's speaking to his beloved bride. He's saying, wake up. Let me guide you forth in the things I have for you. There's a purpose and a destiny inside of you. Things are blooming. It's a time of blooming right now. It's the harvest. It's the time of the harvest coming. The fragrance of their flowers. There's change in the air. Things are changing right now. You know, it was funny because we had gotten into a little bit of travels. And I had seen in the natural where I normally change things in decoration, I didn't have time to do it. And the Lord began to speak to me in that. And he was like, you got to catch up with me, honey. 
That season's already passed. That word you had in your belly's already gone. I got a new word. I got some new manna. And you're still stuck over here when I'm already over here. And he's like, you, it's okay that you weren't in the right seasons and the times. But now you got to pull yourself forward and be where I want you to be in the timings and the seasons. So that way you can be aligned with heaven and I can begin to bloom those things out of you that I have in store of the seeds that have already been sitting there. It's a time of blooming. It's a time of growth. It's a time of change. And if we're kicking and screaming, not wanting to change with the Lord, then guess what? We're going to be stuck in a season and in the wrong timing. And he's like, look, I'm telling you for a reason because I'm trying to give you the double blessing. I'm calling you up higher for, to the open door right now. And you're not, you're, because you can't hear me. You haven't been seeking me. You haven't been before me. You haven't been asking me about anything. You've been doing everything on your own, making your own dates, your own time, your own schedules, your own will. And God's like, no, I need you to come to me now. What, did I say for you to do that? Did I tell you to make that decision? Did I tell See, everything is dependent on the Lord and Holy Spirit. That's the part where you come to him and you say, God, I surrender all to you. I surrender my time. I surrender my family. I surrender my kids. I surrender everything to you because I don't want to miss out on the times and the seasons of blessings and times of season. And he, it even says there in the beginning, it says, uh, the barren is gone. And the season of hiding is over. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blooming flowers. But see, if you can't smell the flowers and you can't see the beauty in yourself of what God's trying to do, you're going to miss the time and the season. We're too busy, caught up in the second heaven stuff, in a war. When we read in Times and Seasons Ecclesiastic that there's a time for everything. We need to start praying and asking God, what is the time and the season for yourself, for your family, for the generations to come? Because if you're not aligned under heaven, under what he has for you, your whole family will reap your decision. And I want our families to reap in the blessing, in the positioning, in the call he has for you. That we don't run anymore from the very place God has you at, but you run towards it. And you're trusting in God for what he's already prophesied over you and what he's spoken to you. That you say, God, just align me under heaven. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. But I want to be under your heaven in the times and the seasons. The Lord has really been telling me about crossing over and telling me it's time to cross over. And even this past weekend, we had gone out of town to go see one of our friends in Michigan. And while I was there, I had this amazing encounter. And I'm not going to tell you about the encounter, but I'm going to tell you the just of what God was showing me. And he, he started showing me that there's things that our mothers and fathers, aunts and uncles, grandpas and grandmas have done times before us, before we were born, before we even came, that they did things 
And they did them the way they knew how how to do them. But the significance of those things they did were for now time for us to inherit. Because what they did back then was not in vain. What they did back then was what they knew how to do. And God is allowing us an opportunity right now to go through heaven and redeem everything back. He's saying you can step into the heavens. You can redeem everything back of what you thought you lost from your grandpa, your grandma, past generations. Bring it to a now time and begin to function out of under heaven of times and season. So that way your kids don't have to get stuck. Your kids don't have to reap some of the things you went through and heartache and pain and a struggle because of you aligning yourself under heaven underneath what God has told you to do. In this crossing over, it is for the sake for a generation of his promises for us. Let me tell you why. See, it took Abraham, which we started with Abraham, to go leave his father's house to find the new land, right? Then from Abraham comes Moses. Then from Moses, this is the generations down, then from Moses came birth Joshua. And Joshua learned everything from Moses. He learned everything from Moses. And then I was reading about Joshua and what he was known to be. You know what Joshua was known to be? He was known to be obedient to God. Out of everything, he was the obedient one to God. Let me, let's read about this because I want you to see it. Joshua 1, 1 through 18. The Lord's charge to Joshua. See, there was a change that came in this season. And the change went from Moses to Joshua. This is of the, the shifting. This is where things started to change. Moses didn't cross over. Joshua crossed over. And Joshua was then given charge at this time. So let's start in verse 1. After the death of Moses... The Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Libyan mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east to the Mediterranean Sea Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to your ancestors I would give them. This is including Abraham. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either right or to the left. This is pretty precise. 
This is God saying, I'm going to give you direct orders not to turn left, not to turn right, not to do this, not to do that. Please follow the instruction. Then this was happened when you follow the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continuously, your word. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. He tells him again. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. I'm pretty sure it was overwhelming for Joshua to get this call on his life. He was probably like, what? I thought Moses was coming with us. I thought the one that was my mentor, (laughs) the person that's poured into me all these years, was going to cross over with us. And God's like, no, he's already gone. He's already come to be with me. This is, it's time for you to take charge. It's time for you to take position. It's time for you to go into the promised land and take the land. So all of our generations past, what they did back then matters now for us. Verse 10, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. And three days, here's this three. You will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord is giving you. Verse 12, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gain, and half-tribe of Messiah. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. Let's say this again. He's taking us to a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them, fifth, stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest. And until they, too, possess the land the Lord your God is giving them, only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned you to. They answered, Joshua, will we, do whatever you com- we will do whatever you command us. We will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. (laughs) Obedience. They were trying to cross over. Here comes Joshua. I guarantee you, Joshua was overwhelmed. When he found out the news from God that it was time for him to take charge. I'm pretty sure he was tested on his beliefs. I'm pretty sure he was tested in his confidence and even his trust with God at that moment. I'm pretty sure when the assignment came from God on his life that he wasn't just like, 
Cool breeze, yeah. But come on, people. Get all your stuff together, all your provisions together. We're about to cross over. No, I see Joshua was a warrior. He was obedient to God. I guarantee you, when Joshua spoke because the warrior he was, it came with great authority, great power when he spoke, that people would heed to when he said something, that they automatically went and did what was told to them to do, and the orders and the assignments, because Joshua wasn't about his own will, his own assignment, his own doing. He was seeking God. He was like, God, I just want to serve you. I just want to do what you say to do. I want to be about your will. If this is my assignment, and this is your will, and you're going with me, and you're telling me be strong and courageous, then I'm going to go. If you're not with me, God, then I'm not going to go. Some of you need to tell God that. And this decision I'm making, are you there? Because if you're not there, then I don't want to be there. I want to be about your will. See, there's things that we have opportunity to step into Promises in land that our ancestors did many years ago. They've come and they've worked the lands. They've prayed. Some of them were believers. Some of them were not. But regardless of that, he's given you now the baton. He's given you now the torch to say, okay, now it's your turn. Tag, you're it. It's your time, and it's your turn to take over the land like I promised to Abraham, to Moses, and now Joshua. And now you can put your name there now. And now Bart, and now Sue, and now Kenneth, and now Richard. See, he's giving us all the land now. And he's saying, but what do you have to do? Take possession of it. Because if you're not aligned under heaven and the times and season, how are you going to take possession over of a land or of things you've never experienced or you've never done before? You have to agree with it. And you have to believe it. Because if you haven't agreed and believed in it, what God has given you this very moment, then you're going to go around the mountain another time and wait for it to come around again. And right now, he is spinning everything back to you right now. Let's stand. There's one more verse that I want to read to you. In Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 11. And when the Lord God brings you into the land he, that he swore to his fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, the houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and what you eat and are full. That's where he wants us to be right now. He says, take the possession of the land. Eat of the land, the promise. 
eat of the land, the goodness, the fresh fruit, the things that you didn't plant, the things that you didn't even do, your ancestors did, people that went before us. If you don't have anybody who was a believer in your family, guess what? We have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob, we have Joshua, we have Moses, we have all these people that went before us. We have the cloud of witnesses that went before us, that paved the way for a now time. And he's like, don't just change your life. Change is in the air. Don't just choose to take the change in the air so lightly. Take the change for more than just yourself. Take the change for your whole entire family. Because you don't want your kids to go through things, your family to go through things that you went through growing up. And no longer are you postured as an orphan, being feeling bad over what you went through. But you're positioning yourself as a king and priest of your generation right now. And you're saying, hey, who cares about the past? Who cares about the suffering? Who cares about all that mess? Right now is the time that I'm going to take position, take possession over the land, not just for me, but my whole entire family, that they will reap what even the past ancestors didn't even get to reap. But now they're in heaven, and they're looking down, and they're like, man, we worked that land. We worked to the nails and the bone on that land. And then for you to come in now, possess the land. And say, this is what God's given me. Let me take the blessings of this land of things that I didn't even do. Things that I didn't even plant. So you don't know what it was like for them then. And what they had to pave through. And what they had to go through. And the beatings and the things they had to go through to get where you're at now. They paid a heavy price. Jesus paid the heaviest price ever for all of us. I was talking to my sister one day. And she was like, have you seen that show, The Pickers? And I'm like, yes. She says, I like that show. She says, you know that they went into this old warehouse and it looked like junk in there. And they offered this man like all kinds of money for this rickety old sign that had a car on it that was for a funeral home. See, my family, they don't function the prophetic and all this stuff. <laughs> but they love the Lord. And I'm thinking already with my prophetic eyes, like, okay, speak to me. <laughs> and she's like, and you know that they paid that money, all kinds of thousands of dollars for that rickety old sign that looked like nothing. And it had a lot of great value. And his wife was mad at him because he had collected all this junk and all this stuff for all these years. And now it had a value. And now she's like seeing the value of it. And then I stepped in and I said, well, I get it. I said, there's someone who paid a heavy price for you and me and brought the value to us. That we would become valuable for the high price that he paid for each one of us. And because of that high price, now we're a valuable thing in the kingdom of God. We, he made us valuable. He made us have purpose and destiny. He created us to be worth more than gold, more than silver. But if you don't see yourself 
with value. See, your value is determined by what is paid for you. There's things that I wouldn't pay a nickel for, but somebody else will come by and say, oh, my God, I'll give you thousands for that very thing. Because what gives something value is what somebody's willing to pay for it. And Jesus paid it all for each one of us. More than enough. More than enough. In abundance and overflow, he paid for us. He thought about your ancestors. He thought about the kids that were going to come. He thought about those kids after them and so on and so on. That when he paid that price, it wasn't just for his time, for that moment, for that generation that was there when he was crucified. He thought about generation after generation after generation after generation. And he positioned himself to take on every generation upon himself that he knew would come after him, those that even went before him, that he had to come in and pay the price to give value to our ancestors and not only to them, to fulfill what they had even talked about already. He's like, they're not going to be liars. I came to fulfill what Abraham, what Moses, what Jacob, what Joshua, and on and on and on till it came to us now. And he's like, possess the land, take the position, take the assignments, say yes to me, not just get saved, say yes to me in the assignment to act on it. Don't just read your word, but act on the word. So, God, we pray to you this afternoon, Lord. Help us to be doers, Lord. Help us to come under heaven this afternoon, Lord. And know the times and the seasons that you have us in, Lord. Conversations, decisions that we're making right now, God. Help us be aligned under heaven this very moment, God. It's not about what we want or to feed our self-desires anymore, God. But it's about your kingdom of heaven coming and invading the earth right now, Lord. It's impacting a generation, generations to come, God. That every part that we do now matters for the future, God. It matters for the family that's going to come. It matters for the generations to come, God. Help us, God, to be under heaven this moment, God. Oh, align us, Lord. Anybody been having back problems? Come up here. See, many years ago, the Lord told me, he said, when you start having back issues, you need to start seeking me out for an alignment and ask the Lord how you want, how he wants to align you. See, because it's not about me, this place. It's about you and your purpose and your destiny with the Lord. And there's assignments and there's things that God wants you to do this season. And because you've run away from them or you've not agreed with them, or you've been too busy to do them. Whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. Everybody has different reasons.
And that doesn't matter to God. What matters is that you say yes to him today. And you ask God to align you with what he has spoken over you generations ago. Not just what you've been hearing with your ear in the natural now, but what's been spoken to you before you even came to the earth from generations past. And God's like, it's time. The time is now.